it's coming in kind of like a radio from 1980, but it's oh, not, that's no good. Let, it's let it's me, not horrible. Let me change it up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, not not horrible is not the the benchmark <laughs> I want to uh, live by. So. This is Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. Today, listeners, we have one of the co-founders of Fireside Conference, Daniel Levine, on the show. Fireside Conf happens just outside of Toronto, Canada. Once a year, some of the brightest minds in business and tech disconnect from our digital world, travel to Camp Walden in Ontario to spend a long weekend networking and learning from one another in a fun-filled outdoor adventure. They host speaker sessions while sitting around the campfire discussing business ideas. The entire camp is open to water ski, canoe, kayak, sail, participate in sports, and a rope course. What is really cool about Fireside Conf is that you truly are disconnected, meaning that there's absolutely no cell phone reception at the camp, so you can't use your phone at all. It's an invite-only, all-inclusive technology, business, and investor summer camp. I'm really excited to welcome Daniel to the show because he is the first person that we've had on the show that creates events similar to the Entrepreneur House. I started researching Fireside Conf and Daniel and became more and more excited about learning more about both him and Fireside Conf. With that, let's welcome Daniel Levine to the show. How's it going, Daniel? Oh, it's going fantastic, Chris. Thank you, first of all, for having me on the show. It's, it's really a, a, a true pleasure. Very good. And you're reporting live from Toronto, Canada today, yeah? From beautiful, rainy Toronto, Canada today. We're yeah. lucky there's no snow or ice today. Well, I'm calling in from beautiful, rainy Rio de Janeiro at the moment. So it may be colder up there, but I think we, st- we still have rainy days, it sounds like. We can so, trade places if you like. Nope, nope, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel, we're just going to jump into it. I found out about Fireside Comp from a an advisor of the entrepreneur house paul levine which happens also to be a close relative of yours and it was funny paul had never told me about you or fireside comp but when i heard about it i got really excited and started doing some more research because it sounded just awesome so let's talk about fireside comp Uh, let's talk about who you are and how you guys got this idea to start it and kind of what it's developed into today yeah well first of all i'll have to have a chat with paul that he never brought it up to you that's (laughs) That's too bad. Uh, Fireside is a conference that's held uh, annually about three, three and a half hours outside of Toronto, Canada, and it's uh, going into its third year now. It was started by myself and who is uh, now a good friend of mine, Stephen Pulver, and uh, we started it three years ago. It's actually a a funny story how we kind of got together and got connected. And I think I'll start with a little bit of background about the two of us, which is that on on a personal side, we both went to uh, summer camp, the same summer camp growing up together. But we were never friends. Uh, We were a couple years apart. We didn't really know each other all that well. And um, by coincidence, we also ended up going to the same law school. Um, at the same time, he was a year uh, ahead of me. We weren't really friends, didn't know each other all that well. And after we both graduated from law school and we were practicing, uh, we didn't bump into each other in legal circles, but we started seeing each other at all of these technology, business, startup events around Toronto. And uh, you know, every time we'd see each other, it would sort of be like, well, you know, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You're a lawyer. <laughs> 
why, why are you at a startup event? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we got to talking and we realized that the two of us shared a unique passion and unique interest in business and in entrepreneurship, uh, both of us having studied it both of us having uh, previously had startups and businesses outside of law, and both of us really uh, keeping one leg in that universe because as much as we loved our day jobs, the the entrepreneurship and the business is really what was our passion and what was keeping us going. And after seeing each other at a, at a few events, uh, we got to talking, and we we shared a couple of similar frustrations with the events that we were going to. Yeah, you know, they're great events, but a lot of them were very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you show up, you get your name tag, you network awkwardly for the first 30 minutes or so. You know, everyone goes and grabs a beer, you get your one free beer ticket, <laughs> you go into the room, there's thousands of people. Um, there's a, a few speakers you're interested in. The speakers come on the stage. You're uh, 100, 200 feet away from them. You hear them over the loud microphones. And then when they're done, if you're lucky, you get to ask a question. And if you're even luckier and you have persistence, you can crash the stage. You can wait in line <laughs> and get 15 seconds with the person um, and you know sort of get a quick answer from them. Mm-hmm. And um, Look, as I say, there's a lot of really amazing things that come from the types of events that our community is doing in the city, but there was something missing, mm-hmm. and um, uh, missing f- f- missing insofar as the things that I described, you know, just just moments ago. And so we started talking about camp, and uh, you know, Stephen has has always had this desire to be a, a camp director, and. Uh, we were talking and, and came up with the idea, you know, why don't we take uh, this same group of people? Because they're an awesome group of people and they have so much uh, to give. They have so much to learn from. And why don't we just transplant them for a weekend outside of the city without all these cell phones that everyone is looking down and staring at? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll get rid of the name tags. We'll get rid of this one beer business. We're going to give them uh, all you can drink all weekend long. Um <laughs> And get rid of the stages and the microphones and the speakers and let's do this around a campfire. Let's do this by the lake. Let's do this on canoes. And um, and so we started planning and we did it our first year three years ago. And it was a small group. We, we had about 80 people come out and join us. And um, it, it, was, it was a success uh, in our minds in the sense of having built something from nothing, but um, it was it was certainly a, a difficult endeavor. And then last year, um, the interest just completely exploded. We had about 300 people out. And uh, and then leading into this year, we'll probably, we'll probably cap it at around 400. Excellent, man. And so, okay, a lot of different things to talk about from that intro. Um, I had a similar experience networking. I used to be involved in a network marketing company that sold real estate investing education back in 2008, 2009. And the same thing, I, after those two years of networking and going to these conferences and going to chamber of commerce meetups and this sort of thing, I was completely burned out on networking. And I told myself, I'll never use business cards again. And I'll never, I'll never go to networking events like that again. Cause I just absolutely, I didn't like it at all. And I think what 
we really lack at a lot of those networking events is real authentic connections. And, and it sounds like that's kind of what you're creating at Fireside Conference, something that you guys wanted to create more of. And same thing here at the Entrepreneur House. That was our idea because like, all right, if you're living together for a month and you're working together and helping each other build each other's business, you guys are not only connecting, but you're making lifelong friendships. And I'm sure some of that happens at Fireside Conf, correct? Yeah, it, it's an entirely different dynamic than what you would get at an ordinary conference. And, you know, I had a similar epiphany or, or idea a few years ago as well about not carrying around business cards. And um, and I did that in my day job as well, and it eventually stung me a few too many times. So, unfortunately, <laughs> now I... I do carry around business cards, but the that idea still remains, and um, that's one of the things that we really talk about a lot with Fireside is that when you're living in a, a log cabin or a bunk with ten other people, even for just a weekend, mm-hmm. the experience is entirely different than what you get at a conference in a concrete building uh, with your name tag on when. You know, most people, I think, go to a conference or networking event with a goal in mind, with an end in mind, right? They're trying to network. They're trying to form relationships. And so they go into it with that mindset. And as you as you put it, it takes away from the authenticity of the relationship because there's it's like speed dating. You know, there's there's only so strong and so good of a relationship that you can build with someone mm-hmm. in the context of a, a 45-minute uh, uh, meet and greet prior to uh, a conference or, or event. And um, I think that's one of the things that's probably really appealing to people who come to the Entrepreneur House and similarly to people who come to Fireside. Um, when I think about people coming to the Entrepreneur House and you say, you know, they're not just meeting colleagues, they're forming lifelong relationships, I think the lifelong relationships thing comes first. Yeah. way before everything else. Mm. And that's the true magic of it. And that's what happens at Fireside. You're put into a cabin, oftentimes with random people that you don't know, but that you do know have similar interests to you. You know, We take a great deal of, of time and put a great deal of effort into curating our cabins based on interests and the, the type of things that people do because one of our core values over the weekend and one of the, the things that we really strive to create is serendipity. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it, it might seem uh, uh, antithetical to some listeners to hear me say uh, serendipity, but also that we, we curate. Well, we try to, try to curate an environment that fosters serendipity. And so part of that is putting a lot of effort, as I say, into curating properly, not just who's in attendance, but where people are living, uh, where they're eating, what they're doing, all these sorts of things spark really interesting events, conversations, interactions that, as, as I say, they end up leading to lifelong friendships. And there's a tremendous number of anecdotes uh, that I could share of people who came to Fireside. And, and it's not just about, oh, this person got a job or this person got an investor because, of course, that stuff happens. But so many people come and say, hey, I now have my best friend who I met because we were bunking in the same cabin at Fireside. And I'm sure you have a similar experience at the Entrepreneur House. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it kind of sounds too like you and your partner have become 
almost best friends from creating this event, whereas you had so much in common but didn't really know each other before. Is that right? Oh, we're a, we're a match made in heaven. And I won't, <laughs> I won't say too many nice things about Steven in case he's listening. I, I still have to play a little bit hard to get. But I, on a personal level, I'm very fortunate to have uh, developed the, a, a very strong friendship and relationship with him because one of the things uh, that drive people like us who are entrepreneurs is – uh, not just passion for what you're doing, but enjoying what you're doing. And, you know, if we were merely business partners, uh, I don't think we would uh, be as successful or I, I should say as interested in working as hard as we do mm. in putting this together. You know, it, we love the idea that we get to hang out uh, for several hours many times a week while we're preparing and putting everything together. And it makes it much more enjoyable. I'd like to talk a little bit more about your partnership that you have with him. But first, I, I want to run the listeners through what it's like the weekend at Fireside Conf, what it's like, what they do, kind of the environment, the ambiance. And, and can you run through that part with them and take them there visually? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it actually starts for us uh, with the drive up. So it starts before you even get there. You know, um, a lot of people that come and join us, they don't have a car, they don't have a way to get there. So we either organize buses or we actually organize carpools. And they're completely random. And I, I think there's a lot of people that would shudder at the idea of uh, going on a three and a half hour car ride with someone that they've never met before. <laughs> and it and it, it might sound a bit daunting, and the truth is if it sounds like that to you, maybe Fireside isn't the right fit um, because that, there's, there are a lot of that type of experience throughout the weekend. Uh, but I suspect that many people that are listening and, and that are uh, alumni or interested in the Entrepreneur House um, uh, don't share that quality and, in fact, would be quite intrigued by the idea of spending three and a half hours with someone with similar interests who they've never met. And, you know, funny, one of the things we did last year, we had we had a number of, of very well-known um, uh, and influential investors, for example, coming up to Fireside last year. And, uh, and many of them said, yeah, I'm driving up. I have some spots. If anyone needs a ride, let us know. And then we went through our list and we found, for example, there was a, a fintech investor. Well, we found three people that were going to be guests at Fireside that were in the fintech space that probably would have, you know, if, if there was a typical conference and this investor ha had had spoken, they probably would have been the person running to the stage to get 15 seconds hoping <laughs> just to say, here's my company, give me a business card. Uh -huh. Well, now they just got three and a half hours in the car with this investor. And I can guarantee you, you know, they're not pitching them for three and a half hours. They're right. becoming friends. Yeah. Right. So it's an incredible experience from the get go. And um, when you arrive at Fireside, we have uh, a team of volunteers that welcome you and, and usher you over to your cabin. We, we try to make it as, you know, we refer to the experience as glamping. Have you heard of that before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a, a combination of, of glamour and, and camping, glamorous camping. Mm -hmm. it, it's not quite living in tents and building a fire, but you're not staying at the Hilton either. Um, so we, we do our best to, to usher a, a very nice experience. And we start right away. People come, they settle in. Uh, we all meet up. We have an open bar. We have uh, food uh, being served everywhere. And it's an opportunity as, as over the course of a couple hours that people sort of drive into camp um, to relax and get to know each other. 
And then we, we start right away with uh, some sessions. But the one thing that we do is whenever we have sessions, we also have open camp. So there's no pressure for anyone to go and sit in on a session if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if we have an, an investor talking or an entrepreneur talking, you don't have to go and sit there and listen to it. You probably want to because it's going to be an incredible talk and you get to sit by the amphitheater by the lake. But if you want to go water skiing, if you want to play some basketball, go ahead and do it. So we start with some sessions, and uh, and then uh, we do all of our meals together. That's something that's very important. We have a beautiful dining hall and an excellent kitchen staff, and we have those those long wooden bench tables. So everyone is sitting together, and it's at these types of moments throughout the conference that you really get the forming of friendships mm-hmm. and the forming of relationships. And I wonder if it's similar, if you find a similar experience at the Entrepreneur House where that that the relationships really form and get strong outside of the structure of yeah. what it is that you're doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When, when they're going on a, you know, a hike together or just finding a new, you know, Thai restaurant or Spanish restaurant to eat at, that's where the, the true bonding comes in. And then it even more so when they dive into like the masterminds and, and then start helping each other out with their, their business. But yeah, without a doubt, that's where the, the bonding starts to happen. Yeah. And it's, it's really remarkable. And, uh, you know, then we, we do, um, these fireside chats where we build campfires and we have, um, everyone sitting around different campfires throughout the camp and just sharing stories and connecting and we did something something new last year that was pretty interesting, which was a um, a midnight uh, star photography. So okay. there were a number of people that just happen to have an interest in photography, or who who don't, and uh, and who just saw what was going on and, and got involved. And so we were taking these beautiful photos in front of the Milky Way. And where we are, where our venue is, it's one of the best spots in the world in terms of uh, light pollution. Oh, wow. So you can see the stars just incredibly. And, uh, you know, I, I talked uh, moments ago about serendipity and, uh, and about how we create relationships. And there's, there's an interesting anecdote that sticks out in my mind, which is that we had a a guest last year who who was the one who came to us and said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm really interested in nighttime photography. I, I've I've noticed that the light pollution here is really good. You know, he has an app on his phone that he that shows him geographically where some of the best spots are. And he said, "What do you guys think if I do a midnight or two a.m. Uh, Milky Way and star photography?" We said, "Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. That, that'd be wonderful." And um, there were probably of the 300 or so people, a small group of maybe 20 or 25 who who left the party that we were having and went and did midnight photography. And um, the guy who was doing it was very unassuming. You know, um, uh, I think that's one of the reasons perhaps why some people weren't as interested in it. Mm-hmm. And no one knew this except for perhaps myself and, and Stephen, but the guy who was doing the midnight photography was actually our main keynote speaker. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, at, at most conferences, uh, the opportunity to really 
hang out and get to know on a personal level the the main keynote speaker is probably relatively rare. Right. And even at the time when people were doing the photography, they had no idea. They just thought it was some guy who had an interest in stars and photography and okay, I'll go take a look at it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the it was only the following night where he um, where we gathered everyone and we introduced him and he gave his talk. Um, and it was a talk that you know people were blown away by. People were crying and hugging after. It was a very emotionally moving uh, keynote. And I think it meant something extra special to those 20 or so people who formed a bond with him the night earlier, not because of who he was, but just because they shared an interest. And it allowed them to form a really genuine and authentic relationship. Again, I, I stress the type that you wouldn't ordinarily get. Um, at a, a typical conference. Wow. Now, do yeah. you and your partner, it sounds like an incredible experience. Did you and your partner have any experience beforehand creating this type of events or did it just, is this something that just sort of magically happened? Yeah, none whatsoever. <laughs> um, nothing formal uh, on my end and nothing really formal on his end. You know, we both went to camp. We went, we, we host our conference at that same camp that I referenced earlier that we both grew up in. So we know the venue uh, very well. Um, And we also weren't at that time formally in the tech scene and then the startup scene. We, we were going to events and we wanted to be. Um, But I think that's the type of, of craziness that you sometimes need as an entrepreneur. Um, uh, Whether it's a a bit of a, uh, naivete in, in, in terms of what it is you're actually taking on. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we had no idea really uh, what was involved in producing an event like this. And of course, it ended up taking a tremendous amount of work. And had we known at the mm-hmm. outset how much work it would have taken, we probably wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. So we're we're kind of lucky in that regard that we had a great deal of ignorance when it comes to producing something like this. Um, and, and now we're, you know, we know it very well and we, we know the ins and outs of, uh, event planning and conference planning, but yeah, we knew nothing at the outset. Was that, uh, was that a, a similar scenario for you? No, I mean, I've done lots of seminars and conference work beforehand, so I, I knew a lot about it, but I, I asked you because of my past experience with those type of events, you know, there's facilitators of these events that go through years of training to create that type of environment. And I think it's pretty incredible that you guys could meet up, have the idea and then create this type of environment where people really connect on that level without any, any experience before. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, probably a bit foolish uh, as well, but (laughs) somehow we, we sailed through it. Hey man, it works. And they say, you know, if, if you know how much work building a business or putting an event together is going to be beforehand. A lot of people wouldn't have ever done it in the first place. So myself included, I learned each year, I learned more and more about creating events and the type of work it takes. So great job. So this is a good leeway into your partnership. Now, actually we've had some previous guests on the show that swear upon partnerships and other previous guests that um, would never do a partnership for the life of them. Some people say only do business with family. Some people say never do business with family. And so it it sounds like you guys had a lot in common. How long before you started really becoming friends did you decide to, to, to create Fireside Conf? 
So actually, we we became friends as a result of Fireside rather than the the inverse of that. And okay. you know, Stephen had been uh, had been sort of running this idea around in his head, I think, for some time. And I, I I mentioned at the outset that he had had always wanted to be a camp director, and you know, he was looking for a reason to put on an event at camp. And we we had run into each other at a at a tech event here in Toronto, and he he mentioned it to me and said, you know, w- would you want to come? Would you want to help out and I said help out I'm in I'm, I'm let's let's just do this nice. and it it kind of came out of that and um, and so it was it was pretty quickly after that point in time that we uh, truly became partners and and started developing this and, and working on it and uh, you know I I think there it's to each their own when it comes to how people want to run a business, whether as a partner, by yourself. Um, I, as I say, I, I have a day job. I have a, a focus. Like Running Fireside isn't my bread and butter. It's the, it's the thing that really gives me a tremendous amount of joy in life. So mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine doing it alone. I know I couldn't do it alone. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I, I don't want to speak for for Stephen, and maybe he'll deny it when he hears this. But I don't think he could do it alone either. This is the type of thing where uh, we really do need each other, and we are we are bigger and greater than the the sum of either of us individually. Now, it it really depends on the type of business that you're running, mm-hmm. because we both have other side businesses and hobbies that we run, um, and we do them separately because they're they're the types of businesses that are perhaps more well suited for um, an individual sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. But in this particular case, uh, I could say without a doubt, it couldn't be done without a partnership and and a a true partnership. Very cool. I want to ask you, Daniel, what are some key things that you learned from your first year at Fireside Comp, and then a couple, two or three things that you learned from your second year building Fireside Comp. Our first year was filled entirely with unknowns, and it was really a, um, a huge learning experience for us, and, and we viewed it as that as well. You know, We weren't so concerned at the time with making money or having a 1,000 people showing up. We just wanted to learn as much as we could, mm-hmm. and the the biggest takeaway from that probably was the importance of partnerships in terms of making a successful event and that really is like if you want to know one key thing that made the difference between having 80 people show up and having 300 people show up from one year to the next it was absolutely partnerships and i mean partnerships in a very big and very broad way through through every aspect of the event so partnerships with uh, local uh, startup and community organizations so that they would help spread the word to their membership um, and so that they would send key people from their organizations to join us. It's really important to have mm. uh, a, a great mix of all of the key stakeholders in the business and startup community in attendance at Fireside. And the only way for us to have done that was through partnerships with organizations. And I, I mean partnerships in another way when we talk about uh, sponsorship. You know, we don't have sponsors. We don't use the word sponsor. We use the word partnership. Mm-hmm. And 
we don't want any any company that just wants to give us a check. We don't want that. We want a company that is going to send a bunch of their people, that's going to have a presence at Fireside, that buys into our culture, our movement, um, and that wants to be a part of what we're doing. And so that's how we work with our partners or sponsors. So partnership has been perhaps the number one thing that we learned from our first year to our second year. And um, another thing is, uh, you know, I, I touched on serendipity earlier. That's, that's one of the ways that we really make an incredible experience at Fireside for people. Um, we like to surprise and delight. We like to create, um, create an environment where interesting things can happen. But, um, you know, we do that by taking really strong and deep care in the people who are joining us for the weekend. I can, I can see any of the 300 people that joined us for the weekend and I can tell you their name. Um, I'm not sure there's another conference organizer that has uh, a group of that size that could probably say the same thing, but we, we take a deep interest in the people who join us because every single one of them are not only special and important, but it means really quite a lot to Stephen and I that people would have faith in us to drive three and a half hours outside of the city, give us a, a bunch of money, and uh, you know have faith that we're going to put on a, a great weekend for them, and that they're going to get something valuable from that. So we we owe a great uh, debt to the people who join us, and so we do everything we can to form strong and meaningful relationships uh, with those people. You know, I think back to our first year, and uh, we were we were very unorganized uh, in many ways. And the night before, while we were up at the venue, we we kind of had this moment around midnight while we were scrambling to put everything together, where we turned we both turned to each other and we were like, "Is anyone even going to show up tomorrow? Like, is this <laughs> is this actually going to happen? Like, are there actually eighty people that are?" driving from Toronto and Ottawa and Montreal and they're just going to show up to to come and see whatever it is that we're doing like they don't know us they they saw uh, a landing page online or you know they they saw an ad we posted or they had a recommendation from a friend and they they bought into it and so that really meant a lot to us and as a as a result um, it inspired us to give a lot back to them I had a similar moment the very first entrepreneur house that I put together and we had 12 people coming to Barcelona and living living together and I feel the same your attendees drive three and a half hours some of my attendees fly halfway across the world right and you know I'm thinking there I'm thinking while I'm at the apartments and putting the down payments down for the apartments and getting everything settled like what if they don't show up or what if they come in and not like the apartment or what if you know all these fears are running across yep. my mind what if they just don't like me what if this what if that what if that and none of that happened they came in you know and if you, you put yourself in their shoes they're they've already purchased a thousand dollar ticket or whatever whatever to fly halfway across the world to spend a month or two or however many however much time with the entrepreneur house they're stoked and they're you know they're not worried so much about the little things maybe um, something's missing from their room or you know there's not a blender in the kitchen or something like that they're just excited to be in a new city and so but those fears do come up when you're creating something like this because it's like wow it's almost a privilege in many ways to get people to buy into your idea 
of this. Oh, it really is. Yeah. It's really um, humbling for me, and it's really just mind-blowing for me, and I'm sure for you too, that people would actually trust you to create this thing and then go to it, and it's so, so cool when they have a positive experience. I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, and you know, it it really puts. Uh, I think you sort of nailed it. It kind of, it it puts a burden on you as the as the curator of the event to really feel that you need to do uh, an extra special job of putting on an amazing event for these people because they've bought into your idea and your vision, and especially those who who bought in early on. You know, before you had the bona fides, before you had the the pedigree to stand on, uh, when you were doing your very first event. These were the people who who bought into your vision, and um, you know it's very easy to have fear and doubt creep in, and that's something that uh, Stephen and I for sure both experienced. But it also drove us to to take it to the next level and to put all of that extra time and energy into the event. Um, but you know, it, it's also easy, and I wonder uh, the extent to which you've had uh, similar experiences of, of fear or self-doubt. But um, one of the other things that I that is a core principle of ours is is uh, standing true and, and holding tight to what our core principles are. And you know, we I, I mentioned uh, at the outset, and you said in the introduction how uh, we don't have cell phone reception and that's one of that's one of our features right like we we are selling the idea that there's no connectivity as a benefit not as a drawback right there's there's a certain number of people that hear no cell uh connectivity and they go oh this is crazy i'm starting my business we're 12 months in we're growing i can't be without my phone for 48 hours 72 hours Meanwhile, that's probably the person who needs it the most. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, we did hear that from a lot of people. And so we started to doubt ourselves. And uh, a a couple weeks before our first event, uh, Stephen said to me, hey, do you think we should get a, a satellite truck up here to get connectivity for cell phones? And we didn't debate it for too long, but but we did turn our minds to it, mm-hmm. and very quickly we reminded ourselves like that's that's antithetical to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is to bring people away from that to to let them get some headspace and some clarity and to let them form meaningful relationships instead of staring at their phone all weekend. And so you know we ended up quickly kiboshing that idea, but those are the types of ideas and distractions that can get into your head when you're uh, feeling the the senses of fear and and, uh, and doubt. And so I wonder if, uh, if you've had any experiences like that as you were creating the Entrepreneur House. I know that y- you... Um, uh, you target your houses sometimes to different groups of entrepreneurs, maybe based on uh, what stage their business is at. And if, if you've ever felt uh, that, you know, maybe you're not catching enough fish and you need to widen the net and, and change something fundamental that you're doing in order to make sure that your event is a success and, and maybe how you've 
gotten through that. Yeah, absolutely. 100% because, you know, the entrepreneur house is for established entrepreneurs and there's a lot of people that are just starting out that want to come to the house and I've had to turn them down. And part of even maybe my, my, cause I, I make number goals when enrolling people and building a, an entrepreneur house. And I'm like, okay, I want to have so many enrolled by this date, so many enrolled by this date. And if I'm low on those numbers, you know, those fears and insecurities will come up. And even if there's people applying and I have to say, no, you don't quite qualify yet. Um, you need to, you need to at least be making money from your business. It's kind of like, oh man, you, you count the, count the amount of dollars that you just turned away. And, and so it's difficult at times, but at the same time, like kudos to you guys too. You really have to say, stay true to that, that vision and your parameters that you have. I was at a conference last fall with Noah Kagan, who, who's the founder of AppSumo. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, his quote was great. He said, the more people you turn off, the more people you're going to turn on. And right. I was like, oh, that's so true. And, and when building a business, especially in the first few years, to, to find your tribe and to find your niche, you really have to stay true to that. Yeah, uh, it's, it can be tough for us because we try to be a very inclusive conference. So it, it does mm-hmm. hurt us when we have to turn down someone for whatever reason. But it, uh, you know, we only have a finite number of spots. And so we need to make sure that we have the right group together um, for for the weekend, and you know, I, I wonder what you were mentioning about uh, hitting your your targets in terms of uh, participation leading up to events. Do you tend to get uh, a steady amount of of purchases leading up to your event, or is it all? sort of come very quickly before an event it fluctuates so like when i start doing the marketing i'll get uh, a handful of signups and then it'll drop off and then it'll peak up a little bit and then it'll drop off and then maybe three you know in between two to four weeks before the event then there's another spike in enrollments and so that's that's a, a bit of a, a mental and emotional roller coaster there because yeah when you're at the low points you're me personally i'm just like, oh man, what's going to happen now? And then all of a sudden you see starts see some enrollments start to come in. And then you'll fill up, like I'll fill up. And then I'll get more people interested. And I'm like, sorry, you know, we're full. How about you guys? Do you, do you see yeah, a similar thing? We go through, a, a, I think, something very similar. I would say we probably get about half of our enrollment in the month to six weeks prior to the event. And then half of our enrollment um, during the entire time period of let's say the the eight months Mm -hmm. leading up to the event prior to that and so it it certainly takes us through a roller coaster and um, we get in the habit of uh, running the numbers quite often and you know it almost became uh, became uh, a a trite thing between Stephen and I to joke around about running the numbers and see where we're at because um, uh, at that just before that six-week point is kind of when panic will start to set in. Uh-huh. Um, we're, we're only at half of our capacity. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, a week or two uh, uh, gone by, and we now have a 1,000 applications and we're turning people down. And even though we know that's going to happen, and we know it's going to happen because we have incredible community partners who are, are championing our event for us. So, you know, it takes a lot of work away for us and we know that they have dedicated communities that are going to want to um, spend a weekend with them. Um, but even though we know that, we still get into this uh, this um, 
small area of uh, of doubt and fear for sure. But uh, in the end, it it seems to work out all right. Absolutely. I'm curious when you started your first conference. What was your marketing like? Because it sounds like um, you've established decent partnerships now where you're not, maybe you're not working so heavily on marketing. And, and how did you, so how did you reach out to people to get the word out for year one? And then what was the difference between marketing in year one and year two for you guys? Year one was uh, very experimental mm-hmm. and very small in terms of marketing. You know, at, at the time we we didn't even have a budget. We had no uh, particular idea in mind, even what would be the best marketing channels. And the way that we got our group of forty together, uh, sorry, our group of eighty together the first time was really through our uh, our mutual and expanded networks. You know, one thing that that we are fortunate about that is a bit different from you is that we can draw from more of a local crowd, yeah. right? Whereas you're targeting entrepreneurs from all around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is amazing, but it poses a, an altogether different problem for you, yep. right? You have a much larger group of people to draw from, but it, you know you can't just reach out to your buddy who is in an accelerator downtown and say, "Hey, you should come. I'm doing this event, and by the way, bring your co-founder and and let some of the other people know about this." Well, that's all we did, really. Uh, there's a number of really incredible accelerators uh, in Toronto. There's a, a number of organizations. And we were persistent and we got in touch with them and we met them and we told them what we were doing. And of, of you know, 50 meetings, we had 10, 15 or 20 or so of these organizations say, you know, this seems interesting. Uh, we're going to, we'd love to be a part of it. And then through them, they helped spread the word. Um, and then so leading into the second year, it was much easier because we had those existing relationships. We now had a product that we could show people, right? In our first year, we, we were selling vaporware. We had nothing but a landing page. In our second year, we had our photos, our videos, our testimonials. We had uh, a lot of, of discussion throughout the community. We had uh, uh, articles on blogs where people wrote about us. So it was it was way easier in that sense in the second year because we had a lot to stand on. Um, and so it allowed us to expand the way that we would market. Uh, we did some Facebook advertising in our second year, which was very helpful. Hmm. Um, but what what I found for our event was that working with these partners and relationships is for sure uh, the most important thing for us. So whereas we were reaching out to people in our first year and saying, you know, please have some faith in us. This is what we're doing. If you can help spread the word, we now have a, a lot more inbound uh, calls for partnership. So there's a lot of people saying, hey, I heard what you guys did. Uh, how can we get a part? How can we become a part of this? We, we want to be attached to your brand now. And so there's organizations not just in Toronto, but in Ottawa, in Montreal, in Kingston, Waterloo, that are reaching out to us. And then now leading into this year, we have we have people from Boston, from New York. And so there's kind of this circle that's growing and growing and growing as people are talking about this. And now they're coming to us and saying, look, we, we need to be we need to be involved in this. How can we make that happen? That's incredible. 
What's your vision for Fireside Conf in the next five to ten years? You know, I, I don't know that we've uh, looked as far out as as ten years, uh, even even perhaps five years. Um, it it always seems like we're looking really to the year ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we're always focused on is how we can continue to help our community become stronger, our community of alumni, and and how we can keep that community together mm-hmm. uh, between the event. One of our struggles is that we w- run one event per year and it's three days, right? That's not a lot, right. especially when you're building a community. Um, you know, you're running, what, six, seven, eight uh, events throughout the year, if not more? Yeah, it depends on the year. So year one, I think we had seven. In year two, uh, we had one, two, three. And, and even though you don't necessarily have the same people coming to every event, there's some continuity um, between having those ongoing events. Correct. So we, we've discussed the idea about doing um, other retreats. We're thinking about doing uh, a winter retreat next year, which um, uh, could be very interesting. We're going to do a, a whole different style. Uh, we've talked about doing things in, in different regions, um, doing another fireside somewhere else, maybe in Canada or the United States. But for now, the, the focus is really on, on perfecting and growing uh, our, our you know, one, once a year event. Um, actually, another thing that we talked about, which is somewhat similar to what you do, is doing some sort of a fireside podcast. Because mm-hmm. I think that uh, you know, I've listened to a number of your episodes now, and and I love the way that you incorporate people that have been to your events and people that are going to your events, and you kind of keep the community going through the podcast, mm-hmm. and people get to people get to meet other alumni of your event just by listening to the podcast, and you start to talk about you know who they are and what event they're at or what event they're going to. And it lets the rest of your community really feel a strong connection. So I think uh, actually what you're doing with the podcast is very meaningful. Uh, thanks, man. And if you do decide to create a um, podcast, I got a perfect name for it: Fireside Chats, right? Yeah, that's that would be that would probably be it. That's for sure. Do you guys have a Facebook group or community that you keep together? Because we we now have for the Entrepreneur House a private Facebook group for alumni and podcast guests, and so I'm curious if you guys have something like that for the conference. Yeah, we have a a, a public and private Facebook group. The private Facebook group is alumni only, and it's very active. Um, and when it comes to those those. Uh, sort of tertiary community elements, uh, one of the decisions that Stephen and I made uh, very early on, just because of the amount of bandwidth that we have between the two of us, is to really let the community take those on. So, um, you know, we don't feel uh, a very strong sense of ownership over the fireside community. We, we just feel like it's become bigger than us. And so we let the community and some of our most active alumni um, manage that and, and you know, focus on posting that and keeping that together. We encourage our alumni to do their own meetup events, you know, but under the, the fireside banner, for nice. example. And that's another thing that's been really helpful because as as two guys with uh, with very busy day jobs, you know, we we just truly don't have the the time or bandwidth to uh, be doing all of that. So the, the Facebook group is a very helpful and and 
central thing that keeps us together. But uh, as I say, we don't manage that um, too directly. Very cool. Okay. I think, my friend, we're going to wrap things up there. So, Daniel, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know there's listeners will want to reach out and find you and find your website. So if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about Fireside Comp, where could they do that at? Yeah, so you can visit our website. It's firesideconf.com. And uh, any of your listeners that want to get in touch or uh, want to join us for Fireside Conference, which is going to be this September 8th to 10th, um, can email me, daniel at firesideconf.com. And I, I think uh, it, would be, it would be nice to have our communities uh, meet each other and, and join together. And so um, we're going to do something special and, and try to get a cabin of Entrepreneur House uh, alumni over at Fireside Conf. And I'll put up a, a landing page. We'll do um, firesideconf.com slash entrepreneurhouse. And you can just sign up there, and that way uh, I know that I don't have to go through the whole vetting process with anyone who's signing up through there because if they are an alumni of the Entrepreneur House or they're a friend of yours, uh, they're a friend of ours, and, and they'll be welcome. So we'll put, we'll put aside a cabin for Entrepreneur House uh, folks to come and join us as well. Very cool. So if you guys want to be a part of the Fireside Conf Entrepreneur House cabin, uh, be sure to get signed up, and we'll put the all the links in the show notes for um, the post on the uh, the podcast. So, uh, listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for listening, Daniel. Thanks for coming on the show, also, my friend. Thank you for sharing your wisdom about Fireside Conf and your passion about it. It's really inspiring. And we'll wrap up, and we'll see you all on the next podcast. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Chris. Bye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact we will respond as soon as possible for now saludos from somewhere in the world